0: I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 25. We're going to be in verses 31 through 46 this morning. And while you're turning there, I, I, want, to, I want to share with you an interesting thing that happened to me last week. I preached on one blood last week. We're all brothers. We're all come from the same mother and father. And how we need to treat each other as if we're brothers and sisters. So after the service, I went down to the parking lot and hung out with folks down there. Kelly and I had a great time of fellowshipping. It was good to see everybody in person. And uh, as a pastor, when I step off the pulpit, I, I, I want to rest, I want to clear my mind. I want to I, I just relax. So, so we went to Tippy's Taco and we, we went, we had a coupon. Uh, so we we bought we ordered our food, we went out on the porch they 've got chairs set up out there, and we we took a seat on the far end of the porch and About five minutes after we sat down, three younger people came in and, and you know my age younger becomes a relative term <laughs> uh, but they you know they, they 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 had the droopy pants the the hat that was on kind of crooked the girl had tats all over and I thought, oh, they look like troublemakers. And they sat down and they're loud. And I'm thinking, oh, they are troublemakers. And another lady came in and sat on the other side of the patio and they began talking to her very loudly saying, hey, what are you doing this afternoon? Why don't you come with us? And I'm like, oh boy, this is going to be really bad. And I've got my mind made up what's going on. And I want you to realize how easy it is to fall into being judgmental. Because I did that. I was judging them on how they looked and how they sounded. And I had just finished preaching about not doing that. So that weighed heavily on my mind. In particular, because it's true. We are one blood. We're one race. We're related to each other. There are different ethnicities. God bless us for the diversity that we have, but we're one race. We, we came from Adam and Eve and through Noah and, and his family. We, we're, we're one blood, and we, we, have, we all have a, a common problem and it's pride. We, we suffer from pride. There's a question we should all ask ourselves. With all of this going on, how will we ever come together? How will we ever be united? And the solution to all that, we all know, but we struggle with it. The solution is the gospel, the truth of God, and the solution for the church to proclaim and to live the gospel. So I've talked about living the gospel a couple of times. What does that mean? What do I mean by living the gospel? How do we allow the gospel to permeate our hearts, to come flowing from us every moment of our lives? And and in order to do that, we have to live humbly. We have to live compassionately. We have to live sacrificially. These are all the things that Jesus did. And we don't do it just because because he did it, but we do it because we have the answer. We have the solution to all the problems that we see around us. We have victory, brothers and sisters. It might not feel like a very victorious moment in your life right now, but we have victory over the ultimate plague for all of mankind. We have victory over sin and death, and we will live forever in the glory of God in his presence. That's something to shout about. That's something that's promised to us. And the guarantee of that promise is the Holy Spirit in us, whispering little words like He did to me last Sunday, saying, John, this isn't right. This isn't right. The guarantee of the eternality of our relationship with Christ. Guarantee of our place in heaven. So we should we should live like there's something more than what this world has to offer we should live our lives like like there's more than the anger and frustration that we see all around us more than the hope the the lack of hope and the despair more like we know that these things are true and that we should be different than the rest of the world set apart so we should act differently And that leads to the truth that I want you to hold on to this morning is that our relationship with Jesus Christ should be evident in how we treat other people. This is the ultimate consummation of being one blood. If we really are saved, if we really are regenerated, if we really are made new, then we should have some evidence in our lives of that new heart, of being new creatures. And that evidence will be how we treat other people, how we relate to each other. So let me give you the context of our uh, of our passage today. You know our sermon is yeah we understand that this relationship should we we should act differently and and the question the natural question is how are we going to do that? How are we going to live like we're different people? And our our passage today will tell us that. The context is that Jesus is given signs at the end of the age Uh, He's near the end of his ministry. We see the parable of the fig tree, and you know that's all about bad fruit and bearing bad fruit. We see that no one knows the time of the end but the Father, and there's some mystery in that. And we see the parable of the ten virgins, which is all about being prepared for that moment when he returns. And then we see the parable of the talents, which is all about living life like you're prepared for that moment. And so these are all specific lessons for the church. They're given to us, to absorb and to appropriate. There are things that we should be doing until Christ returns. So then we have our passage. And we're going to see four aspects of judgment in our passage. We will see that judgment is coming. It's on its way in verses 31 through 33. In verses 34 through 40, we're going to see the judgment of the sheep. And in verses 41 through 45, we'll see the judgment of the goats And then in verse 46, we'll see the duration of that judgment. So let's take a look at the judgment that's coming. And this is coming for everybody. Matthew 25, 31. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Now, here we are. This is the culmination of all history. This is the end of time. From the moment creation was uttered into existence by the the voice of God, by the words that he spoke, it's been hurtling towards this final moment, the end of all things. And so, the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, sits on his glorious throne, and verse 32, before him will be gathered all the nations. Now, in in uh, the perspective of, of Matthew's gospel, all the nations means all the Jews and all the Gentiles. And we're all familiar with the fact that that the, for the Jews of the first century, there were two groups of people in the world. Uh, there were Jews and there were Gentiles. You were one or the other. So when we're talking about all the nations, we're talking about everybody, everyone, uh, all the nations in the known world. So here we are in that final moment of history And everyone ever created is gathered in front of this throne. And the second half of verse 32 says, And he, Jesus, the man sitting on the throne, will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Now, in Western sheep herding, this isn't so unusual. They're usually blended together. But in the East, the goats were in one herd and the sheep were in another. So this is a natural separation as far as the first century Jews would have seen. Uh, But Jesus is making a distinction here. And in verse 33, it says, "'And he will place the sheep on his right, "'but the goats on the left.'" And in this context, uh, the favored, well, we're gonna find out that the favored group are the sheep on the right. And the people that are out of favor are the goats that are on the left. It's not a biblical truth, but it's it's for these purposes right here. So, this moment is coming. The point about the whole thing is the separation that will occur at this particular moment. And now we're going to see what that separation looks like. We'll look first at the judgment of the sheep in verses 34 through 40. Then the king... Now, the one who sits on the throne is the king. And we're going to find out in just a moment that he's also the judge. He issues an invitation. And the invitation is the most amazing invitation ever uttered to anybody in the history of the world. Then the king will say to those on his right, to the sheep, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. There's a reward there's a reward for the sheep. We don't like to talk about rewards. You know, as, as an evangelical church, rewards is kind of a tough concept for us to absorb. But here we find out that there's a reward for being in that group on the right, for being the sheep. And the reward is the kingdom of God. The reward is everything. Everything God created for His glory is, becomes our inheritance. And at first glance, it seems like this reward is based on certain criteria, but we're going to look at it a little bit closer than the first glance. So, verse 35, he says, I'm going to give you this reward. I'm going to give you the kingdom prepared to you from the beginning of time. For I was hungry and you gave me food, verse 35. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Well, that seems to be the measure of the sheep and how they got the reward. And if we stop there, it would look like if we just do these things, then we can be sheep. But the verses that follow it reveal something a little bit different the recipients of the war of the reward are amazed verse 37 then the righteous will answer him saying lord when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink and when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you and when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you you see the sheep the sheep are humble They're not expecting this. They're not standing in line with their hands out and saying, okay, give me, give me what I've earned. They're bowled over by this. They were not working for a reward. They're not looking for credit. They're not looking for glory for the things that they've done. They weren't trying to please anyone. They're not trying to work their way into heaven. They're just doing what comes naturally to sheep. They're doing what should come naturally to people that have been transformed, to people that have been regenerated. So in their humility, the sheep wonder why they're getting this blessing. Why is this happening to me? Verse 40, and the king will answer them. Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Now, who are these? Well, these are the thirsty, they're the hungry, they're the lonely, they're the people that need fellowship, they're the people that are in prison and sick. And the judge, Christ says, if you've done it to any of these, you've done it to me. See, this This is what distinguishes the sheep from the goats. This is what makes them different. They minister the gospel as if they were ministering to Jesus Christ himself. They're doing it as unto the Lord. We see that phrase frequently in Scripture. And that's how they're living their lives. Now, this achieves a number of things in the sheep's life, Okay, and and number one, it honors God's image. We talked about that. Everybody ever made, everybody ever born in the history of the world is made in God's image. Everybody ever born in the history of the world was formed in the womb by God. So the diversity that we have is a divine design. So they live like all the people that they meet and run into are an image of God and they respect the image of God even if they don't necessarily respect the person. So that is accomplished in their lives. The other thing they do is they honor God in everything that they do. They, 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 they're, their eyes are constantly upon the Father and asking how they can live a holy, sacrificial life. They want to honor God for what He's done in them. And that's the other thing they do is it shows gratitude. Because they were once as needy as those hungry, thirsty, lonely, sick people were. And they've been cured. And the last thing that manifests in their life is they become ambassadors of the love of Christ. And we read that a little bit earlier in the passage in 2 Corinthians. In verse, chapter 5, verse 20, it says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. Watch that. We are ambassadors through Christ. God ministering the gospel in and through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. There's the gospel right there. As God works in us, we implore others to be reconciled to God the way we've been reconciled to God. That's part of what being a sheep is. That passage in 1 Corinthians mentions reconciliation five times. And what it shows is that we've been given, as the body of Christ, we've been given this ministry of reconciliation. That's why we all need to work together, because we can't reconcile on our own. We have to do it as a body. We have to do it as an assembly. We have to to work together to portray the gospel out there in the world so that they know that they can be forgiven, that they can be redeemed as well. what reconciliation is all about. So we're called not just to proclaim the gospel, but to live the gospel. Well, what does living the gospel look like? Well, we just saw it. It means food for the hungry. It means water for the thirsty. It means fellowship for the lonely. It means clothing for the naked. It means mercy to those who are sick and in prison. And I want you to think about being in prison for a bit. Nothing wrong with a prison ministry. We need to be there. But the whole world, apart from those who are saved, are imprisoned to sin. And we're called to bring mercy and grace to them. So, these these are not commandments. God's not sitting in heaven with his little checklist, okay, well, you you gave somebody who was thirsty a drink, that one's done. Now, Now we gotta work on giving somebody some food. And later on, you're going to have to go to a hospital. They're they're not commandments. They are attributes. They are at the essence of the nature of everyone who is saved. It should flow from him. It should flow from us, not to get a reward, but as evidence of our salvation, as evidence of the transformation that is going on inside us, as evidence that we are no longer goats as we once were, but are sheep and are becoming sheep. The sheep do what they do because they're sheep. Listen carefully. What they do does not make them sheep. You understand what I'm saying? The behavior they exhibit is not why they become sheep. The behavior they exhibit is a result of being a sheep. The change is already in place in us. It's already occurring. For those of us who call upon Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, for those of us who have repented of our sin, for those of us who have turned away from the life of sin and pursue the the life of righteousness, we are the sheep. But if you're familiar with what I'm just talking about, you know that we're in process. We're not always good at it, are we? I wasn't very good at it last Sunday afternoon. I could turn around and go, oh, I must not be a sheep. I'm not acting like one. I might might as well just give up. God's working in you and me. He's working to mold us and shape us into, into his image. So we are sheep by the work of Christ. We are becoming sheep day by day by how much we live for the Father. And when Judgment Day comes and it's coming just as surely as we just read. The sheep, having received Christ, will then receive their reward as well, the kingdom of God. It's not the same thing for the goats. The goats are in a whole different group. Let's take a look at the judgment of the goats, starting with verse 41. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed. I don't know what that moment's gonna be like. But I know that everybody who gathers at the foot of that throne is going to know that this is it. That whatever they've done before and have not repented of, they're going to have a struggle with right now. And I can't imagine what it's going to be like to see the one who sits on the throne and realize that it's Jesus Christ, the one who I have rejected, and hear him call me cursing. You see how vital the gospel message is? Because those people who reject him are going to realize in that moment that they made the biggest mistake they could ever make. And now God, the one who they denied, his son sitting on the throne is saying, depart from me, you cursed. Where? Not into a place where I can party with all my friends, but into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Cursed of God. Cut off from God. And look who goes with them. Satan. And the angels have followed Satan. Anybody who's worried about Satan taking things over, Anybody who's worried about Satan destroying the church needs to read this right here because Satan can only do what God lets him do. And ultimately, God will send Satan into the eternal fire. So, you know, I love that picture of him standing in heaven with a pitchfork and he's looking pretty sharp. Okay, That's not what it's going to be like. He's going to burn along with everyone else. Everyone who who rejects Christ. Well, how are these people judged? They're judged by the same criteria as a sheep. Look at this, verse 42. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked, you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will answer... Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? What they're saying is, oh, if we'd have known that was you, we would have done things differently. In other words, the goats are the exact opposite of the sheep. No food for the hungry, no water for the thirsty, no fellowship for the lonely, no clothing for the naked, no mercy for those who are in sick or in prison. The criteria is the same, but the behavior is different. It's the exact opposite. They didn't see the people around them as being created in the image of God. They had no interest in ministering to Christ in that manner. Verse 45 comes the ultimate judgment. Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. So, if we understand the context and the message, we should also understand that the behavior of the sheep and the goats, rather than the behavior forming the hearts of the sheep and the goats, it betrays their hearts. It reveals what what's in their hearts. Their behavior reveals what's in their hearts. Both the sheep and the goats. The sheep have been transformed. The goats have not. The goats live no life of sacrifice. And the fact of the matter is, the goats live life selfishly. It goes right back to the pride that we were talking about last week. It's all about me. It's all about my happiness, my welfare, my comfort, my interests. There's no sacrifice, there's no transformation. So, if we understand that, then we understand that what's happening here is that Jesus is not separating those who do good from those who do bad. He's separating those who have been transformed and surrendered their lives to Christ from those who have not. In an odd way, the Jews were right. There are only two groups of people in the world, those who have Jesus and those who need Jesus. And at this particular moment, it's too late to make a decision. This is why our proclamation and living of the gospel is so vitally important. And even more so when you see how long this separation is. That's in verse 46, duration of the judgment. And these will go away into eternal punishment. The righteous to eternal life. It's forever. There'll be a day when we all stand before the Lord the king of all creation and the judge. And he's going to separate the sheep from the goats. And the sheep will be judged. but They'll be judged on whether or not they've been transformed. They're already sheep. They're already there. But there will be a reminder of what happened when they came to Jesus Christ and how their lives had changed. They're not judged on their works, but they're judged on the work of Christ in them, on the change in them, and they've been truly changed, then it's going to rise up in their behavior. They'll be self-sacrificing, compassionate, humble, servers of others. And they'll be different. They will be different from the goats. The goats aren't changed, there's no evidence of change. And that judgment that falls is forever. Once the Lord returns, that's it, it's done. So, if you and I have been changed, then our relationship with Jesus should be evident in how we treat others. Now, that can be difficult. And we need to understand that that's a process. The transformation that we go through is gradual. We have a gracious, forgiving, compassionate, merciful God who is patient with us as we go through this transformation but we have to be willing to examine ourselves we can get caught off guard we can have our defenses down and we can act as if we have not been changed see that's what happened to me last Sunday I was being a hypocrite as I stood there and judged these young people I said young was relative. I finally found out they were 35 years old. I'm thinking they must be 18. And, and those folks that are my age understand this. One day you go into your doctor and he looks like he's 12 years old. And you don't want to ask that question, how old are you? <laughs> but I did that. I wasn't, I wasn't thinking about Christ. I wasn't thinking about the gospel. I was thinking about my own welfare. And I judge these people. Right up until the moment when their food was delivered and they joined hands and began to pray. And they prayed just as loud as they had been talking. And the prayer was absolutely awesome. They were praying, Lord, show yourself through us to these people around us. Oh, my. Oh my. You see how easy? Praise God. He's given us repentance to handle moments like these. God didn't give us a Holy Spirit to beat us up over them, but they are humbling. Amen? If anyone's ever been through it, amen, they will humble you. Made me stop and go, wait a minute, what was I just preaching? Those people were acting more like a transformed person than I was, and the truth of the matter is on that porch, the lady who showed up turned out to be the wife of one of the pastors in the Morton Gospel Partnership. So the porch was filled with sheep. Not all of us were acting like it at the time, but the Spirit was at work in all of us. So if we're, if we're going to... And we're going to work with this change of this transformation. We have to understand that there there might be some resistance this time. So We're going to have to be objective with ourselves. We're going to have to be self-aware. What's going on inside me? What's rising up? Where is this judgmentalism coming from? Certainly not from the Holy Spirit. That we need to be self-aware, we need to be deliberate, we need to be proactive in it, we need to act like we are transformed people, we need to be aware of the fact that sometimes we don't act like we're transformed people, and we need to consciously work at being like Christ and treating other people like Christ. And the third thing we need to do, brothers and sisters, and this might be the hardest one of all, we need to move outside of our comfort zones. We just need to be out there where people who need to hear the gospel hear it. We need to be outside of our comfort zones, trusting in the Lord, trusting that whatever seeds are planted, that the Spirit will bear fruit with. Those are hard things, self-aware, deliberate, out of our comfort zone, Praise God he's given us the Holy Spirit to help us with these things. Praise God he's given us the Spirit to let us know when we've dropped the ball. Not by way of condemning us, but by way of encouraging us to pick the ball up and start again. Praise God that we are one blood. And that at that final moment the only distinction will be between those who know Christ and those who need Christ. Praise God that he's charged us the body of Christ with being the bearers of that message